Our life is shaped by our mind, for we become what we think. Buddha. Man's time here is finite, but the influence of a man is infinite. The question is what shall we do with the daylight that remains? Friends, let's do this. Today we're talking about The Mindful Athlete, Secrets to Pure Performance, written by George Mumford and Forward, written by Phil Jackson, the coach of the Chicago Bulls and Los Angeles Lakers. So let's jump right in. I'll give you a few of the tips and highlights that I took away from this book. I'll give you a flavor of what this book is like so you can understand whether or not this one's for you. And uh, we'll go from there. So Mumford, like Many kids was a young young athlete wanting to be an NBA player. Um, his home life was pretty rough, though. It wasn't a place where you shared your thoughts and dreams and desires. It was a place that kids listened and the dad spoke, basically. He says that he learned to keep his mouth shut no matter how he was feeling because his dad was pretty harsh with punishment and strict with his word. Um, and so... Later on in life, he started coping with that in less than ideal ways. He says that um, his father was what he explains as a rager who was raged on at work and then raged on his family at home. And one time, even George asked for a specific haircut for his sister's wedding, and his, his dad thought that was too much. So instead of giving him his haircut, he shaved his head bald, and George had to attend the wedding with... Uh, an embarrassing haircut for him. And so his dad was not the nicest, gentlest man. He was pretty strict and harsh on his kids and family. So Mumford's athletic career was riddled with injuries. And he spent time on crutches literally every year of his high school career, uh, which kind of started his use of pain medications. He never did make it to the NBA, though he did spend time with college players who did, such as Dr. J. Uh, and instead, he changed his focus to getting a finance degree at the University of Massachusetts. Since childhood, he'd learned to deal with pain in one way, drown it out with alcohol, medications, and then eventually drugs. So eventually, he started using heroin to cope with his life and pain. Life's problems seemed to be piling up, including divorce from his wife after 10 years together. Uh, and then he had a staph infection, which was what Mumford called his ass on fire moment. <laughs> so he uses that term quite a bit, like people need to get to a point where their ass is on fire that pushes them to move, which reminds me of a quote that I heard from from Chris Wilkes or Qu Chris Williams, as his real name is online, but um, where he's talking about that people tend to get caught in this like chasm of comfort right in the middle. Like if they were far more uncomfortable, they would be motivated to action to improve their lives. Or if life is good, then great. But right in the middle there where life is not good, your marriage isn't good, your health's not good, your job's not good, you're not really happy with things, but it's not so painful that you actually are motivated to make it better. Uh, you know, people get caught right there. And so I think it's a similar idea that that Mumford's talking about right here. If things get bad enough, you have a ass on fire moment where you go, you know what? 
I'm going to change this and get the heck out of this situation. So this ass on fire moment is what pushed him to his first 12-step meeting uh, with AA. He kind of went as a, okay, I'll, I'll help. I'll go with you, buddy, with his friend. And eventually he, he realized how serious it was and that these people were actually changing their lives. And so he started dedicating himself to it as well. Mumford later earned a master's degree in psychology and became a full-time staff member at the Center for Mindfulness and was the leader of the prison project where he taught over 5,000 inmates how to operate with mindfulness. So that's kind of an interesting thing. He, he talks about working with these inmates. You know, a lot of them just have this negative reaction to whatever stimulus. And, and much of the latter half of the book is talking about that um, gap between stimulus and response and taking advantage of that gap to make a positive decision or respond in a positive way, right? And obviously people that are in, in jail have made some pretty poor decisions or responded negatively to certain stimuli, whether that's because they were addicted to drugs or in the gang and they were you know, raised in a violent community or home or whatever the case may be. They saw an opportunity to take something and they stole between stimulus and response. They didn't exactly pause to make sure that the the response was going to turn out with a positive outcome. And that's, of course, why they're inmates. And so trying to help them convert their their thinking and get in a place of sort of uh, stillness, calmness, uh, consciousness in the moment. So uh, that's what he's talking about with this mindfulness. His AA program was where he was first introduced to mindfulness, which in the 80s was called stress management. Through yoga and meditation, he learned to listen to his body instead of doling his pain with drugs. Eventually, Phil Jackson invited Mumford to work with the Chicago Bulls team on mindfulness. And so he had the chance to help these athletes try and deal with the pressure. Uh, A lot of these athletes, you know, so they, they come from a variety of backgrounds and then they're put in a place where millions of people are watching millions of dollars on the line, championships at stake. And uh, how you deal with that pressure is different for everybody, depending on, you know, their experience and their past experiences and uh, the way they were raised, the opportunities they've had to actually be under pressure and deal with it in a positive way may be limited. And so he's basically helping them say, look, we need to address the issue, which is the pressure, or if you're on drugs or whatever, coping with things, those are false. Um, those are, those are poor ways to deal with it. Right. So he, he has this concept that he calls the five superpowers. And these include mindfulness, concentration, insight, right effort, and trust. So mindfulness, concentration, insight, right effort, and trust. These superpowers are interconnected and they all work together, he says. If your mind is filled with distracting emotions, you lose your flow. You're no longer in the present moment. If you're thinking about that comment or argument from yesterday, you've lost the current moment. The zone is when you're in a flow state. You're in the present moment. Your body, mind, and energy are all in that moment. 
Flow is when you're completely engaged in an activity for the sake of that activity itself. So a lot of people are distracted at work because they're not necessarily excited about their job, right? You you show up because you need that paycheck. You're looking forward to retirement. It's making ends meet. It may provide you some purpose because you're providing for your family or whatever the case may be, but it's not something that you do for the activity itself, which is understandable. But he's trying to help people understand that, you know, you can make more of life that way, trying to get in the zone. Like even if, you know, your work is your work and you're not into it, but when you get home, are you home? Are you with your kids? Are you with your wife? Are you with your husband? Are you there with them enjoying that moment? Or are you distracted by the next thing? Are you still distracted by that job you don't like? Are you distracted by the argument you had or the the miscommunication that took place, right? Um, so trying to get into this flow state or in the zone. So rewinding just a bit, he says, Victor Frankl, who's the author of Man's Search for Meaning, described it this way, between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space is our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and our freedom. So in that response lies our growth and our freedom. I mean, that's extremely applicable to an inmate, right? <laughs> but for for people that are, you know, typical people out there working in society, your growth and freedom lie within that response, which is within the gap between a stimulus and response. Pretty powerful statement. Insecurities, negative self-talk and suffering create belief systems within us that determine in large part how we play the game of life. We can become so attached to our suffering that we actually identify with it. Without our suffering, we don't know who we are, so we cling to it. I've seen this many times. In fact, um, I created this steps program on my website. Currently, it's not there, but um, it'll it'll come back in another version. But basically, uh, we were all raised in a culture. Whatever your culture is, you basically learned to navigate that culture with certain strategies, right? So, someone who was raised in an extreme religious culture is very different from someone who was raised in an extremely gang-ridden community, (laughs) which is different from somebody who had a single parent, which is different from somebody who had violent parents, right? I mean, whatever the case may be, you learn to navigate your culture and sort of inherited traits and characteristics to, to get through. And some might be positive and some might be negative. And so some of those negative ones are causing suffering, but you still identify with those. You still utilize those as a a method to sort of get through life, even though maybe your circumstances have changed. So not all the tools that you used early in life or in midlife, wherever you are, are still applicable. But we identify with them as kind of who we are. And so he's saying like, okay, people cling to these things, but that's not a good thing. Uh, So let's figure out how we can kind of break it down. He says, cultivating insight and accruing wisdom about our inner lives is the only way we become aware of the blueprints that have laid the foundation for our enduring beliefs and internal obstacles. In other words, know thyself. Becoming aware of internal beliefs and inner struggles is the first step to the way out. So for athletes to talk about the pressure to perform actually helps them deal with the pressure. 
Um, he talks about the four noble truths. I think this comes from the Buddhists. So I might be wrong on that, but the four noble truths, he says, number one, life is suffering. Number two, there is a cause for that suffering. Usually these causes are expressed through craving, attachments, and unwholesome emotional mindsets. Number three, there is an end of suffering. Well-being comes through practicing non-greed, non-hatred, and non-delusion. Number four, the Noble Eightfold Path. So this is the Noble Eightfold Path. Right understanding, insight, right thinking, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right diligence, right effort, right mindfulness, right concentration. Can you imagine living a life that's like based around these things, right? Understanding that there's suffering in life, that suffering is usually associated with these ill-expressed or dealt with emotions, cravings, attachments, unwholesome emotional mindsets, that you can get that from, you know, the opposite, non-greed, non-hatred, non-delusion, and then having the right understanding, right insight, right thinking, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right diligent, right efforts, right mindfulness, and right concentration. The only way out of suffering is through it. We all perform at our best when we're not suffering. So the emotions you feed are the ones that will thrive. He, he talks about the wolf story as far as your emotions being wolves inside you. And, uh, you know, you've got greed and you've got humility and charity and kindness and anger and, you know, a bunch of things. And which wolf will win? The one you feed. Right. So focusing on the positive aspects of who you are, the, the things that have actually given you positive uh, returns and outcomes in your life versus the ones that continue to cause suffering, feeding the good ones. He says we need to let go of conditioned responses that don't serve us, even when we love those conditioned responses dearly. <laughs> This is a very similar concept to the last book that I did, right? What Got You Here Won't Get You There by Marshall Goldsmith. Essentially saying that high-level leaders still have some negative behaviors that are not helping them despite their success. So if you can let go of these things, even though you are conditioned to, and really, really enjoy these responses for some reason, your life will actually improve as will the people who follow you. Sometimes we have to sit and watch to see how we get stuck and understand how our conditioning gets triggered so that we can make a more informed choice the next time we start to get drawn in. When it comes time to perform, we have to ask ourselves, what is the feeling I'm craving? Mumford says he frequently works with people who fight to keep their suffering. Isn't that interesting? I mean, we see it all over. Somebody that's raised in an extreme codependent state or family find somebody that will allow them to continue to be super codependent. Uh, you know, like people will leave one abusive relationship only to find another abusive relationship because they are comfortable or familiar with these certain emotions and language and stuff like that. So sometimes people actually fight to keep it. It feels like who you are. You're either going forward or backward. Many times people are too willing to keep their uncomfortable lifestyle and wait years to change, especially if life is tolerable. It's not until their ass is on fire that they actually jump from the hot pot of water. 
Self-efficacy or stress hardiness is the ability to know your limits and develop expertise even when you made a mistake or got injured. This is the key to growth. So he talks about athletes specifically going through difficult things, injury, making mistakes, missing that big shot, making a, you know, getting a turnover in a a critical moment, uh, essentially costing your team a loss or something like that, but still being able to look at it differently and say, okay, I made a mistake. Why did it happen? How can I prevent it from happening? And, you know, can I do better next time instead of beating themselves up? So another way of thinking about this is the going is tough, but this is going to be great. So even though it's, you know, like I'm down now, I've, I made a, I messed up, I'm hurt, but this is going to be great when I get back to the place I want to be or improve from this experience. Embracing failure. You're not your mistakes. Mistakes are part of growth. Fail up. Success is 90% failure. He talks about the Michael Jordan commercial where MJ's listing all these things. I've missed this many shots. I was trusted, you know, 26 times to take the game winning shot and missed. And that is why I succeed, right? He lists all these failures. And then he's like, the fact that I went through all those things and learned from all those moments is what made me great. Uh, And that's how winners and positive people view mistakes and failures. The primary way we learn is through trial and error. (laughs) So despite us learning from a lot of things, you know, we, we often need to get firsthand experience. He says, you can view failure as life's apprenticeship. Some sort of suffering is necessary for a person to achieve maximum psychological growth. After failure, use self-reflection, not self-blame. Ask yourself, why did that happen and what can I do to change it? So the last third of the book or so goes into the uh, Noble Eightfold Path. Uh, So just to remind you what that is, right understanding, insight, right thinking, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right diligence, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. I'll give you two more points on this book, and then we'll wrap it up. He says, motivation is connected to right effort. Start by figuring out what it is you really want. Focus on building something up, improving yourself and the team or community rather than just me. So a lot of times, self-centeredness causes people to think they want something, but then the journey uh, gets tough. The motivation is lacking. They're not making external impact and it it doesn't work out the way they thought it would. But if you can find something that serves you and the community, something that is fulfilling to yourself, progressive for yourself, and provides value to the people around you, people you care about, uh, you know, even people you don't know, but you feel like there's positive value, uh, you're going to continue to have more motivation and feel positive feedback from that. He says, when you're driven by fear, anger, or stress, you'll have a difficult time making the best decision. Enjoy what you're doing to achieve a state of flow. So basically, if you're controlled by negative thoughts and emotions, you're constantly going to be spinning your wheels, having a difficult time, distracted, blaming, all kinds of fear and struggle will rule your life. And you'll look for these false fixes like drugs, alcohol, blame, arguments, fights, uh, etc. But when you are run by positive emotion and you're looking to make a positive impact and you're looking to improve your relationships and influence others' lives to be better, 
it gets you on that other wheel of, uh, you know, a circuit of positivity, good people in your lives that you add value to that increases your uh, relationship and has positive feedback and people want to help you and you then go on to the next one and the next and it's a positive feedback loop and you'll continue to make better decisions and though there be mistakes and failure along the way you'll be failing uphill and getting better and growing uh, and avoiding all these negative things that tend to control people's lives when they're run by fear so anyway pretty good book it's quite short it's an easy read Uh, i think it's well written the story wasn't like super intriguing to me, but it was, it was good enough. And, and the principles he's pulling out here, I think are very valuable for really anyone, anybody from, you know, inmate to super successful person, learning how to be mindful and in a uh, flow state in a positive state and to provide positive value to people around you. That's also self-serving. I mean, these are great ideas to help you continue to be successful but but more important than that is to enjoy the moment while you while you're on the journey so um very very important ideas in this book for sure so uh if this one is something that you're into right now then i'll definitely put the link below so you can purchase your copy through amazon when you do that using my links i get a small cut at no additional cost so i appreciate you doing that to support the show and uh I guess we'll catch you guys on the next one. Hey, thanks for listening to the entire episode. As a token of gratitude, I want to give you a discount on my book, Ingrained. Head over to bronsonwilkes.com slash store and download Ingrained for less than a dollar with the coupon code GOALS, G-O-A-L-S.